Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Productive. That's the nothing personal word of the day. Productive. It's what we're being even when you're listening or watching. But who said it? Major League Baseball. Commissioner Rob Manford had a meeting with Bernie Sanders yesterday. Came out of the meeting saying it was a productive meeting. This was about, remember, the minor league baseball teams and the fact that MLB may get rid of 42 minor league teams, which they're not going to do. This is about improving the working conditions and all of the other issues that we've discussed on Nothing Personal. But I'll tell you one thing, it wasn't productive. They walked out of that meeting, Major League Baseball did, and they rolled their eyes because they had just spent time with someone they rather would have put hot pokers in their rolling eyes. Jerry Jones gives me stuff to talk about every day. I love the guy. He's the owner of the team. He named himself the GM. He's the de facto coach. He says he hires the coaches. He fires the coaches. It's all you'd ever want from your owner, even if he hasn't produced in over a decade. No NFC championship game in as long as I can remember, and I have an elephant-sized memory. But what did he do yesterday? Maybe this morning, we have a winner. He was giving an interview about the state of the Cowboys, and he was asked about Jason Garrett because that's what owners are asked about. They're always asked about their coaches. That's what GMs are normally asked about, too, except this owner's never asked about the GM because, of course, he's never going to fire himself. But when asked about Jason Garrett, he gave an entire sort of 30-second diatribe about the fact that he chooses the coaches and he believes that Jason Garrett is the right man at the right time for the right job. He talked lovingly about him and his skill set. It was as though he was giving a testimonial to a guy who was out looking for another job. Except then he signed off. And the sign-off was as follows. In my opinion, J Squared said... Jason Garrett will be coaching in the NFL next year. Can you imagine the clubhouse watching that interview and hearing that interview? How about if you're Jason Garrett's family or just Jason Garrett? He will be coaching the NFL? Well, excuse me, Mr. Jones, what does that mean? Does that mean not for the Cowboys, but you think he'll be a coach somewhere else in the NFL? What about a head coach? Do you think he'll be a head coach maybe for the Giants? The Giants, as you know, the owners are talking. We heard that today. When Steve Tisch and John Mara get together and have a conversation, you know it can't be good for Pat Shermer. But in any case, could he be coaching the Giants? We don't know this. Jerry Jones has owned a team for decades. He knows that words have meaning and that there are consequences every time he meets the media. I love that he does a radio show every day. I love that he loves talking to the media because he gives nothing personal great content because I can talk to you all about what he really meant to say. And what Jerry Jones really was saying, I gave Jason Garrett every possible chance to win at this level. I appreciate him as a man, as a coach, and as a leader of this great football team. 
but I know for the Cowboys to get to the next step, we're going to have to go a different direction. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I know it's not going to be Jason Garrett. But don't worry, he could still be collecting an NFL pension. He could still possibly be a coach, not a head coach, not an offensive coordinator, maybe a special teams coach. Maybe Jerry Jones actually doesn't matter where he'll coach, except he's already made the decision. What my takeaway from this situation is don't ever believe an owner when they tell you they haven't made up their minds because those teams who are underperforming, like the Giants as an example, the owners know exactly what they're doing at the end of the season. Jerry Jones is not a man to dither. He's not a man that reads the media or listens. He may listen to nothing personal because we talk about him all the time. And he may watch CBS Sports HQ because, of course, we talk about the Cowboys as we should. Their performance in the NFC least leaves a lot to be desired. But Jerry Jones knows exactly whether Jason Garrett will be back. And it's not that he left bird seeds and a little trail for us to follow. He told us in so many words. Jason Garrett will be coaching in the NFL next year. (laughs) Yesterday was the non-tender day in Major League Baseball. What that means is players who are not offered a contract or basically become free agents. And I like going down the list. 56 players became free agents yesterday. And all of them are trying to get in touch with their agents. And they're trying to find teams who will sign them to Major League contracts, which is another way of saying they'll get guaranteed money. But let's go at it from a slightly different direction. Let's talk about Theo Epstein and those great Chicago Cubs who non-tendered Addison Russell. You may may know Addison Russell as a very, very highly touted prospect, a very productive player, who then had a service suspension for violation of the domestic violence uh, agreement between the union and Major League Baseball. So Theo Epstein non-tendered Addison Russell, and that would have been fine. He was making $3.7 million dollars. $3.4 million last year. When you tender a contract to a player, the most you can cut that player is 20%. So that means no matter what, Russell would have gotten about $2.7 million next year. But given his performance, he was called up to the major leagues. He had broken service. He had the suspension. He probably would have been a no-raise kind of guy, a $3.4 million salary in arbitration. I know this because I've been to arbitration countless times with players. But instead of Theo taking the microphone and telling us the truth, instead, he had to give us this, this quote, and I'm going to tell you what he said, then I'll tell you what he meant to say. We decided to non-tender Addison Russell today, Theo said, simply because the role we expected him to play for the 2020 Cubs was inconsistent with how he would have been treated in the salary arbitration process. Theo, that's not even close to true. When you negotiate with Addison Russell about a contract, if you had tendered him a contract, you would have discussed his broken service. His suspension would have been a factor, as would the bulk of his career, meaning he did not have the stats to merit a significant raise. He was basically a bench platoon player when you brought him back, and that's pretty much the role he would have had. And when the arbitrators are looking, they're looking at what he had done, not what he will do. So what we wanted him to do next year, what's worse than being an inconsistent platoon player who was suspended, who goes up and down? What role did you have in mind? Starting pitching? 
Because if you were going to have him as a starting pitcher, could Addison Russell then gone into the arbitration room and argue that I should be paid like a starting pitcher because that's how my team plans to use me? No, the arbitration system does not work that way, Theo, and you know that. The reason why you non-tendered Addison Russell was twofold. One, you were tired of the distraction that comes with a player who is not outperforming. You can handle it when he's good, but when he's not good, you jettison him. I don't blame you. I've done it, but say it. Two, when you're putting your payroll together, having a 25th or 26th man, keep in mind MLB rosters are going to be 26 players next year, not 25. That means every team's payroll just went up by the minimum because every player will carry one extra minimum player. So the Cubs carrying Russell, who would have a row at $3 million or $3.5 million, they could have another player with no distractions at half a million dollars. Does that make business sense? Yes, of course it does. No one would criticize that. Just say it. But don't continue on with in the years since we decided to tender Addison a contract, he's lived up to his promise to put the important self-improvement work necessary off the field, and he's shown growth. We hope and believe that Addison's work and growth will continue, and we've offered our continued support of him and his family. What exactly continued support have you offered, Theo? Are you going to pay for his therapy sessions? Are you going to pay for him to improve his temperament? Are you going to pay for him to become a better baseball player? Maybe get a coach to work on some hitting on the side? What exactly do you mean by this, or are they just empty words trying to say that you're an organization who actually cares? You may care, but I know this. You cared way more when he wore a Cubs uniform. We cared a lot about players when they wore our uniforms, and you want to say that you'll stay in touch with everyone, and you want to say that you'll help out everyone, but the truth is when they're not on your team, you're worrying about the players you do have and the players who are helping you win. So next time, Theo, it's sort of simple. Release a statement that says, we non-tendered Addison Russell because the juice was no longer worth the squeeze. You know, it's very simple for players to get in trouble. And we have uh, situations, language is an issue in baseball. Many players, there are players who speak Japanese. Many players speak Spanish. Many players speak English. Some players are bilingual. Some coaches are bilingual. But so, something that happened yesterday was something very interesting. Starling Marte, you know him as a great outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. You may also know that his option was picked up for this coming season where he will be paid $11.5 million. So Marte making $11.5 million for a Pirates team that has a new president, a new GM, and a new manager a team that is going to have a very hard time competing in the NL Central to begin with. So Starling Marte has been talking about being traded. Is it possible the Pirates want to trade Marte? Yes. Does it make good business sense to trade Starling Marte? Yes. But then Starling Marte did what players sometimes do, that they regret the minute it happens. Have you ever done something and then one minute later you immediately regret it? Well, Starling Marte gave an interview in Spanish, and here is what it said about him being traded to the Mets, because that was a rumor, because the Mets are in on everybody because they want to get better. The Pirates, he said they, in parens, the Pirates, so in Spanish, he just said they, talking about the Pirates. 
They have the power to decide. If I had it in me, I left now because the caliber of players we have is not to compete in a World Series. The Mets have it all, and it would be a great opportunity to play with them. Starling, you have to walk into a clubhouse this coming February in Pittsburgh. It's in Florida, Bradenton. Your teammates will look at you and you'll look at them and they'll say, hey, we don't have the talent here to win a World Series. Well, I've been the president of many teams that had no chance of winning the World Series. But the first day of spring training, every single person in the clubhouse, including me being delusional, thought that we could win. That's the point of spring training. That's the hope that every team wants. So Starling Marte thinks the best way to get himself traded is to say, hey, listen, we don't have what it takes and I want to win a World Series. So thanks for the $11.5 million. Now, how about trading me to a team that can compete? Well, when I ran a team, I was asked many times for players to be traded by a player, by the agent. My response was always the same. We'll trade your player when we want to trade your player. And we'll trade your player to whoever we want to trade your player to. If you want to control where you go, negotiate a no-trade clause. And we're not going to give it to you unless your name is Giancarlo Stanton. The only exception I ever made in 18 years was Giancarlo Stanton on a multi-year deal with a no-trade clause. So instead, Starling Marte tries to take it into his own hands. If I'm the Pirates, I'm going to trade Marte to the Orioles. Let's see him lose a hundo instead of going to a team that has a chance to compete for the World Series. A word to the wise here, Starling. If you want to control your destiny, negotiate your destiny. Don't give an interview trying to think it will actually make a difference. Josh Shaw's back in the news because that's a story that was critical yesterday. And I need you to realize why uh, we talked about him so much. I take it very seriously when players gamble on their own sport. It's not just against the law. It actually calls into question the integrity of the game. Josh Shaw, just the fourth player ever to be suspended for gambling on football. But it got worse today when we found out that not only was he betting on football, he actually was betting on games involving his own team. Is that the worst it can be? No, it got worse. He bet against his own team. Let me make sure you have it straight. Josh Shaw is a member on the injured reserve for the Arizona Cardinals, which means he's not playing in the games, but he is a member of the team. He went to Las Vegas, and after deciding that the Supreme Court had allowed him in its decision to legalize gambling, I'm rolling my eyes for those of you not watching, he decided that he was going to go to Vegas and place a bet against the Cardinals on a prop bet, no less. So let me tell you what the NFL is thinking. Is it possible that Josh Shaw spoke to someone in the locker room during halftime of a game? Is it possible he spoke to his teammates via text? When I use the word to speak, by the way, that is a verb that means something to me. It means I'm actually using my mouth and my words. People today say, oh yeah, I spoke to her yesterday. They mean they texted like this. Well, that's called texting, not speaking. But let's say Josh Shaw texted with teammates of his. Let's say some of the teammates were saying, man, he's hurt. He's not playing in the second half. We don't feel right. This game's not going well. What happens then? Well, he bet on Tampa 
to cover, I think it was a one-point spread in the second half. Forget the result, which was he lost. The reality is that the possibility of an integrity issue exists. And what Josh Shaw has now done is put himself in a position where he's in far worse shape than he was before this information came out. A word to the wise, to players, to executives. When you're in Vegas, don't go to a sports book. Have a friend go for you. Don't put it in your name. What do you do when you have to bench a player who is making more than anyone else on your team? I'm asking this question because Nick Foles just got benched yesterday. He's the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the thing about Nick Foles is that he is uh, trying to think how to describe him. Well, he had two good years for the Eagles. He won a Super Bowl ring for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was playing in place of Carson Wentz, who had gotten hurt, who was clearly the better quarterback or was the better quarterback. Some would say still is. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, in desperate need of a quarterback, signed Nick Foles to a four-year, $88 million deal with over $50 million of it guaranteed. So I'm just going to call it $50 million because in baseball, 88 would mean 88. In football, 88 means 50 in this case. Sometimes 88 can mean 20 or 70. You have to really pay attention to the guaranteed portion. The second thing you have to pay attention to in the NFL is the salary cap and how much money of a player's salary counts toward the salary cap. So Nick Foles got hurt this year. I think in the first game he broke his collarbone. Sat out, came back. Jaguars haven't won. They decided to bench him, and they're playing their backup quarterback, Gardner Minshew, that mustached guy, that sixth-round pick guy, that guy making the minimum guy, and the $88 million man is sitting on the bench. How does that happen? Well, the coach goes to the GM and says, listen, we are better off with Minshew than we are with Nick Foles. And the coach actually gave an honest quote, shockingly, where he said, the way this team plays, our best chance is with Minshew. Well, I could argue when you put your team together and you have a quarterback who you signed to a four-year $88 million deal, why wouldn't you build a team that's going to be successful given the kind of quarterback Nick Foles is? But I digress. The fact is they think they have a better chance to win games now with Minshew versus Foles. The GM, here's the coach, and the GM has to go to the owner. You do not bench a player like Nick Foles without the owner's approval. No matter how uninvolved an owner is, there's not one owner in any professional sport who would allow his big free agent signing to be benched without giving permission first. And the owner of the Jaguars doesn't know more about football than you do, or I do. But what he does know is how embarrassing it is when he's got an $88 million man who's now riding pine holding a clipboard. The best thing that could happen would be for the clipboard to do to Foles what it did to Steve Kerr. In case you're watching and listening, I thank you for subscribing. I thank you for downloading, rating me five stars if you don't mind. Follow me on Twitter if you can, David P. Sampson. You'd know that Steve Kerr broke a clipboard and cut himself during a game. That would put Nick Foles back on the injured list because what they're doing right now is they're figuring out the math. This is simply a math equation, not a competitive issue. They are figuring out what their cap hit's going to be if he plays or if he's traded, or if he's simply released. Because if they release him before June 1, 
they have $33.8 million of dead cap space. For you non-sports fans out there, that's a lot of money to have as dead cap space. That means you're paying a player not to play. And you're listening and watching a guy who was the king of paying players not to play. Second only to paying players to play badly. So I know of what I speak. So the owner has to decide with the GM in Jacksonville what they're going to do with Nick Foles. And look for June 1st as the critical date. Because if they release him before June 1st, it's a huge cap hit. If they do it after, they actually save $12 million. If they trade him, they get to save even more, like $16 million. The only problem with trading Nick Foles is he can't play. So the best thing to do is for him to be hurt, because then he can't play badly. He simply can't play. Because right now when he's in a game, it doesn't work out well for him or the Jaguars. Wait a minute, that's not true. It works out really well for him no matter what. One of the things I like to do is a a segment called So You Want to Talk to Samson. If you've ever watched Half-Baked, watch it. If you haven't, watch it. If you have, watch it again. I want to talk to Samson. Well, all you have to do is DM me. I opened it. You can reach me. I try to respond to as many as possible. It's at David P. Samson on Twitter. And I had someone contact me and ask me to talk about the franchise. And I was wondering, the franchise, as in the franchise, like the New England Patriots, the Dallas Cowboys? I think what he meant was the franchise, as in the Showtime show called The Franchise, which featured the Miami Marlins in 2012. It's one of the best stories of all time, how that happened, and then why the franchise is no more. So The Franchise is a show like Hard Knocks for football, except it's for baseball. And the way it works is that you have cameras around you and camera crews at all times, in every meeting, on the field, during the game, in the clubhouse, before the game, after the game, Everything the team does, on the plane, on the train, in the automobile, everywhere. And teams are very scared of that, but I never was. I enjoyed watching the franchise. It had been on a year or two earlier. The San Francisco Giants were actually uh, uh, one of the years in, in, in between their World Series. So there was some discussion that the franchise actually caused a team not to perform well. I thought that was ridiculous. I always wanted the attention for the Marlins. We always suffered from lack of attention. So one day I got a call from a producer. His name was Mike. And he said, I'm Mike. Nice to meet you. And we talked for a bit. And he said, listen, would you have any interest in the franchise? And he had me at hello. We were opening a new ballpark in 2012. We were signing big time free agents. And I knew we were doing that. And I thought bringing in Ozzie Guillen as the manager, we had an unbelievable mix of personalities, a great story that would be must-watch TV. So I had to do two things. I had to go down the chain and up the chain. Up the chain was to the owner, Jeffrey Loria. He was reticent at first to even discuss what it would be like to be on the franchise. But he said, get me more information and then we'll decide later. So I went to Larry Beinfest, our president of baseball operations, and he was an absolutely not. He's sort of an old school GM, and he doesn't want cameras around. He wants everything done in private. He said it would be an unwanted distraction. I went to some of the players, not interested, too much attention. 
They were kidding. I thought it would be great, and I wasn't going to let it go. And Showtime had a friend in me, and I pushed for this, except there was one rule that I wanted to make sure would never be broken, and that is we were going to be a one-take team, sort of like nothing personal. You hear it as I'm doing it. There's no editing. There's no rewinding. If I'm coughing and I forget to hit the cough button or if I have to sneeze or if I'm looking at my phone, which I'm not going to do, or if there's breaking news that happens while I'm here that the Panthers actually fire their coach, all of these things can happen while we're on the air. I'm actually going to continue the franchise story and then talk about Ron Rivera and how funny it is that he just got fired. So I wanted the franchise to happen, but the rule was one take. What happens in these reality TV shows is we would talk, they, teams would talk to Showtime and say, here's what's going to happen. It would happen, and then Showtime would want to get it on film, so then they would recreate it. They would do it again, and I didn't want that. I wanted Showtime to be there for everything as it went down, really as it happened, because my view in sports is that it's not like we're curing cancer. It's not like we're splitting the atom. What's wrong with giving people, the fans, the audience, a group of people where we're trying to build the audience? Tell them really what goes on. Actually, 2012 was the beginning of nothing personal. That's when I realized that it's okay to tell everybody stories and to give you my opinion of stuff that actually happens. And so I do. And so Showtime loved it. They said, we're all in for one take, but are you sure? Because if we just do one take then whatever actually happens, that could be on the air. And that's when MLB and the owner stepped in and said, listen, we'll try this one take thing, but if there's certain things that happen, we have to have the right to make sure that those aren't put on the air. Showtime was upset and I was furious. I don't want editorial control. I want to show the fans everything as it happens, even if it shows our warts, even if I get embarrassed because I say something I shouldn't, or even if I do something I shouldn't do, or even if there's a situation I can't fully control. That's what makes TV real. That's what makes a live show perfect. MLB and Jeffrey said we have to have final editorial control. That was the beginning of the end of the franchise. Because when an owner of a team and MLB take editorial control, guess what happens? Boring. Ordinary. It causes shows to get canceled. David Nevins, the head of Showtime at the time, he and I spent a lot of time talking about this. The frustration we had because some of the stuff we got on tape was visceral and real. We had on tape the firing the, of Ozzie, the suspending of Ozzie Guillen after he talked about Fidel Castro. We had on tape things going on between me and players, between players and each other. There were cameras. You get used to them being there. You don't even think about it. It's like what happened when I was on Survivor. You forget the cameras are there because you're living your life. But the problem is people wanted amount of screen time. Players were paying attention to how many minutes they were cut into the show. Front office people were paying attention to how often they were in the show. MLB was paying attention to was too much being said. And then on top of that, our team had a disastrous season. So every other owner in baseball blamed. They actually blamed the franchise on our crappy season. As though it wasn't our fault that we signed Jose Reyes and Heath Bell 
and traded for Mark Burley and that Hanley Ramirez had a bad year and that Logan Morrison wasn't as good as we thought or Gabby Sanchez. All great guys, but all together as a team, we couldn't win. Or that Ozzie Gein would be a total bull fighter watching disaster. No, we didn't know any of it. It made for compelling TV, except it ended up on the cutting room floor. And for the rest of time, Showtime canceled the franchise, and we were the single last team to ever do it. Carolina Panthers fired coach Ron Rivera, and it's happening as, as we talk. He's been the coach there since 2011. One thing that just happened, as you know, this, this past weekend— What's the ultimate embarrassment if you're an owner, right? You're a new owner. David Tepper is the owner of the, of the Carolina Panthers. And you have to remember and realize where he comes from. He is from the world of money, of finance, of control. When I want to do something, it works. When I hire people, they perform. If not, they get fired. I don't wait for teams to gel or people to gel. I am in control of results, but sports doesn't work that way. It's why you've got so many billionaire owners who are, unsu- who are unsuccessful as owners of teams, but hugely successful in their own industries. And David Tepper is no exception. But a midseason firing happens when you get embarrassed. And when you lose to the Washington Redskins, that's about as bad as it's going to get. So David Tepper said, I've had enough. And then he did the quote that all owners do who are new, going through their first firing and beginning to flex what they believe is their ownership muscle, pretending that they've got a whole public and fan base to answer to. I believe this is in the best decision for the long-term success of our team. That's the opening line to every damn press release that a coach gets when he's fired. Do you think that as an executive, I fire a coach because I don't believe it's the best decision for the long-term success? Is there any statement that is more silly that you ever have to read or hear that when an owner says to you, I did this for the long-term success of our team? Thank you, David. That's value added. If you talk that way about the companies you owned, I probably wouldn't buy stock. And then he did part two of the quote that always happens. I have a great deal of respect for Ron and the contributions he has made to this franchise and to this community. His PR people forgot three words, critical. I have a great deal of respect for Ron, comma, and his family, comma. PR 101 of firing your first coach, you have to have the comma parenthetical and his family. We are now going to take a comprehensive and thorough review of our football operation to make sure we are structured for long-term sustained success. What makes me laugh about that, I mean, this quote, it says it's David Tepper. I actually don't believe that it is David Tepper because I've heard and read this quote. If you Google ownership quotes, this is what comes up. Why is it as a fan of your team, you don't want your owner to always be doing a thorough review of the football operation? and always making sure that we're structured for long-term sustained success. I want you, for me today, if you're listening or watching, which you must be if you're listening or watching, I want you to Google the term long-term sustained success, long-term viability, long-term sustained viability. It's sort of a triple Google search. You will find that every owner has said that. I've said it as a team president. Every time we'd fire a manager, we did this in the best interest of our team because we want 
continued long-term competitiveness. We want to compete for a World Series championship every single year. Well, in football, you can't say that. You actually just have to say that we want long-term sustained success. Well, Ron Rivera, you had a good run since 2011, and I know what you're thinking right now, and it's something like this. Complete relief, and I don't blame you for that. Getting out of that mess in Carolina is probably the best thing for your career. So my movie last night was a tough one for me to watch, and it wasn't short, so I really had to stick it out. It wasn't 219 minutes like The Irishman, which I reviewed yesterday. This is a movie with Brad Pitt called Ad Astra. I love that I get to watch a movie or a show every single day. It's great to get away from the sports world once in a while. It's great to broaden my horizons and to watch different types of movies, all kinds, foreign films, domestic, films that are true, false, try to be true, can't be true, totally made up, say they're not made up but are, total fantasy, science fiction. I won't watch horror, never. You will never, never say never. I will never say never. I don't believe I will ever review a horror film. But Ad Astra is a movie that was horrible. It made me ad nauseous because it's a story about a astronaut whose father went to Neptune, played by Tommy Lee Jones, and then disappeared until somehow he tried to destroy the Earth. And Brad Pitt becomes the astronaut's son who is sent to Mars to contact his dead dad on Neptune to save the planet. Did you get that? It's about a son going to Mars to contact his dead father who's on Neptune, played by an old astronaut named Tommy Lee Jones. This was not the right stuff. It's certainly not Apollo Part 14. The special effects are fine. Brad Pitt spends a lot of time on camera. I'm going to, for those of you watching, this is what he does on camera. For those of you listening, I'm looking blankly into space as I ponder my position in the cosmos. It's as though Carl Sagan was a producer of the film. Google it. Ad Astra, I just saved you two hours. You're welcome. Quick thing on Phil Mickelson. I, I got to mention this today because he's getting a bit of uh, negative attention. And I just want to make sure that, that we clear the air on this. Phil Mickelson is a, uh, a golfer and uh, he's a golfer who likes to make money. Is that okay? Yes, it is. He's a golfer who used to be one of the best in the world and now is just, he's fine. He's good, above average. But he got some heat today, yesterday. Can't remember when I read this, but I knew I had to talk about it with you all. Because he decided to play in the Saudi Open and he's skipping over a tournament in Phoenix, Arizona called the Waste Management Open. But just, it's a PGA Tour here in America because he's going to Saudi Arabia to play the Saudi Open. This is next January. And the question was asked, why would Phil Mickelson not go to a tournament that he's won multiple times when he's ranked outside of the top 50 for the first time ever, maybe, since he first started? Why would he choose not to get points from a tournament that he's won three times in his whole career? That's the exact reason why he's not going. Because he's out of the top 50. Because his earnings are down. And you know what happens to players when they play in, so in the Saudi Open? They get paid. 
no matter how they finish. That's the point. It's called an appearance fee. Do you think all these celebrities who you read about who do the commercials in Japan or who go to birthday parties with the Sultan of Bahrain and they do all these things where they get criticized because they're supporting governments who don't appreciate human rights or don't believe in the same constitution we do? Well, let me ask you a question. No matter how poor or rich you are, if you were offered a million dollars to go make an appearance, play a little golf and sign some autographs, would you do it? And let's pretend that you weren't the average American making $50,000 a year. Let's pretend you were a millionaire. Would you want another million dollars? Yes. Now let's pretend you were asked to just go film a commercial or do a voiceover or anything that we criticize people for doing for them to make money. The only reason we're criticizing them is we're jealous. We wish someone would pay us a million dollars to play golf. As it is, we have to pay a country club to go on weekends, tip a caddy, and probably lose a hundred bucks because we didn't get enough strokes in our weekend golf game. But yet Phil Mickelson gets criticized for cashing a big fat check just to take a private plane over and play what'll end up being probably two days of golf if he doesn't make the cut. And if he makes the cut, then he has a chance to get paid more. Don't give Phil trouble over that. It makes perfect sense. What doesn't make perfect sense to me is what's going on. And this is, uh, this is actually a big deal for me and in sports. And I, I've had it. My frustration level is uh, I get to see a lot of stories. And I'm so fortunate to have this platform to talk about so many things and to, and to have conversations with people in social media and in, in the studio here at CBS Sports HQ and CBS Interactive. But sometimes I just can't take it anymore. And what happened yesterday, it pretty much put me over the edge. The Chicago Blackhawks are a hockey team. And if I'm talking hockey, you know this must be something that really gets to me. I do love hockey, but normally there's too many other things to cover because of Jerry Jones. They suspended their assistant coach, Mark Crawford. Why is that news? Why would you suspend an assistant coach during the course of a season? Well, wouldn't you know it, 13 years ago, he is being accused as coach of the L.A. Kings of kicking a player named Sean Avery. For those of you who don't know Sean Avery, you may have heard the famous story. He's, he dates a bunch of actresses, one of them from The Girl Next Door, Alicia Cuthbert. She was also in Love Actually. She was the girl from Milwaukee in Love Actually. And she was the girl next door. Well, she was dating Sean Avery. Then they broke up, and then she started dating another hockey player. I guess dating a hockey player is good for business. Just ask Ron Duguay. That's a Carol Alt reference. Yes, it is. But Sean Avery was sitting on the bench for the Los Angeles Kings. He gets kicked in the tuchus, and apparently a mark was left. And he found that to be offensive. Word got out because Avery was talking about it. And the Blackhawks suspended Crawford? Can someone explain to me, forget the fact that Avery came out today and said, I totally support Crawford because I deserved it. I deserved a kick in the ass, he said. That's not the point, whether he deserved it or not. The point is, what kind of soft players or soft community or soft country or civilization are we in now? It's one thing. I'm not talking about sexual harassment. I'm not talking about blatant racism. 
I'm talking about a coach of a team who demands out of his players' performance, and when he doesn't get it, he lets them know it. How many of you played for a team where the coach threw a ball at your head when you didn't box out for a rebound and you let a guy come in from the free throw line? How many of you got looked at by your baseball manager when he didn't hit the cutoff man or had sunflower seeds thrown at you or maybe even got spiked? Am I the only one? It can't be. Are we that soft that we can't handle it? Is society in a place right now where if there's even a possibility that a coach would have physically what they claim inappropriately touched, and this is not the Catholic priest we're talking about. This is from a foot to a player wearing pads during a game for missing an assignment. But we're so sensitive that the Blackhawks, it wasn't even that organization, that the Blackhawks are suspending him pending a thorough investigation. Let me ask you something. What's a thorough investigation from 13 years ago? A DNA? Are we going to get a sample out of his butt? Are we going to look for the boot in question like OJ's gloves? What exactly are they going to do? Interview everyone on the bench that day with the Kings? Interview people in Crawford's life? Does he have a bad temper? Has he been known to kick people before? Do you feel he is in danger of kicking people going forward? How do you think he treats people when they don't do their job? Does that mean if I don't do my job well and I get yelled at by my boss? You're saying getting yelled at is one thing, but getting physically touched is another. Really? Well, when you've got a boss who yells too much, that's called verbal harassment. Verbal harassment can lead to suspensions too. I think it's time for everyone to toughen up just a tad. I'm not talking about the big things. You don't have to ratio me again. I'm not saying that I'm a proponent of any sort of sexual harassment or racial profiling. I'm not saying I'm a proponent of racists. It's disgusting and despicable. I am in favor of a coach who makes sure that his players know when they're not doing their jobs. There's not one thing wrong with it. Blackhawks, stop the investigation. Get Crawford behind the bench. And if you don't want him as your assistant coach because your team is bad, then just fire him. But you don't need to do a thorough investigation and suspend him while you're doing it. Our pick of the day was so awesome yesterday. Loved it. I hope you were all on Russell Wilson. Remember, we had Wilson over Cousins. It was two and a half points. It was a give me. Loved watching it. You're saying you were nervous, 37-30. I was never nervous. Even when Russell Wilson hit the bing-bong-boom interception, Pick six for the, for the, I keep saying the twins. God, pick six for the Vikings. That's how you know we're a live show. I can't edit out the fact that I said it was a pick six for the twins. But we won, so we're going to win again. We've got the Lakers tonight. Why Lakers? Because for whatever reason, the Lakers are getting points against the Nuggets. Now, don't tell me where the game is. It doesn't matter. Don't tell me that the Nuggets have a good team. They do. But LeBron, I got to watch him in Miami for years and years. LeBron loves games like this. This is a game LeBron James wants to make sure he wins. He doesn't want anyone on the Nuggets or anyone thinking that the Nuggets have a chance in the Western Conference. This is when he goes to 18-3 and because I'm not saying they're going to cover. I'm saying they're going to win the game. My pick to you is to take the points, but if you're feeling happy and lucky because you won so much on the Ravens last night, 
on the Seahawks last night, then my suggestion to you is that you take the money line. I got to wait to see tonight, and it's sort of a pick, but it really is a wait to see. And I'm fascinated with the Dallas Mavericks, and I'm fascinated with the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans, who made that trade, as you know, they traded Anthony Davis to the Los Angeles Lakers, and they basically have the Lakers team. They won the lottery and picked Zion Williamson. Do you remember Zion? Yeah, he hasn't played a minute yet. He was the big first-round pick. Do you remember the viral video when everyone went crazy when Zion got picked? The sales staff were jumping for joy, throwing papers in the air. They were in New Orleans. They were partying as though it were Mardi Gras. He hasn't played a down, not a possession, zero. Knee surgery. They said six to eight weeks. It's been six. He's got no on-court activity yet. It's going to be closer to eight. Take the over on eight. The wait to see is a two-parter today because I'm feeling happy. Not only will the Mavericks beat the Pelicans because anytime Luka Luka Luka's playing, I'm going to watch. It's a national game, and I'm going to watch the Mavs win. But the second wait to see is Zion will not play a game for the Pelicans. Take the over of eight weeks from the beginning of the season. It's a guarantee because when you've got a player like Zion Williamson, you are not rushing him back. The Pelicans are going nowhere, and so they're going to take it very slowly with him because knee injuries can actually derail an entire career for an NBA player. And Zion needs his knees in order to compete at the NBA level. Because when New Orleans took Zion, it was all about business. It was nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.